there weren't that many days that we took completely off and we still trained fairly hard all year. I mean, we didn't really step back that much, but we did it out of like the love for training and the feeling of getting better. And then for me personally, just being healthy, like I wasn't injured all year. Most years I go through like a huge injury cycle where I'll be training pretty well and then not run for a month and then get back. And mm-hmm. this roller coaster of, of breaks basically between running healthy. And this year that didn't happen. I was able to, if I felt sore or tired, I would just not run that day and it was no big deal. And I think that's like taught me a lot heading into next year. Hopefully I can control myself. It's easier said than done, but taking that pressure off myself and realizing it's okay to take days off or alter the training a little bit if you need to in order for long-term consistency. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. We believe part of the way we're doing that, besides encouraging everyone that crosses our path to go within and discover their greatness, is by sharing meaningful conversations with the endurance sports world. Today, we are grateful to welcome back to the show one of our favorite power couples, Eric Lagerstrom and Paula Finley. We hosted these guys individually on the YTP back in 2017 and 2018, and then they joined us again last January for a mini podcast of which is available on our YouTube channel. All of this and more is linked up in the show notes for this episode, so go check that out at yogitriathlete.com. When we interviewed Eric back in 2017, He told us that his mission was to leave the sport of triathlon better than he found it. Unbeknownst to Eric at the time, he had already planted the seeds for that triathlon life. Their TTL weekly videos have been a light for so many Sunday mornings this year, and no surprise to us, Eric continues to raise the bar for what so many triathletes are just now catching on to, that triathlon life is more than swim, bike, and run. They also welcomed a beautiful four-legged baby boy into their lives this year, and as most of us recently witnessed our closing off 2020 on a celebratory note with Paula's historic performance at Challenge Daytona. We're excited to dive in today and we feel blessed to share this time with these two professional athletes, dog parents, lovebirds, and human beings finding their way in the world. You guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. It's it's awesome to be hanging out with you guys again. I As you're going through, I can't believe that we first talked back in 2017, you said? Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, it... Time flies. <laughs> I know. It's what. Do you remember that we were over at Endurance House and um, you know there was I, a concert going on in the. Oh my god! There was like yeah, I think there was like a jazz concert going on next door, and we uh, the owners of the of the shop, Sabrina and Matt, just kind of gave us the the security keys and said, "Here you go. Here's the shop after hours." And mm-hmm. we threw down our first conversation with you. And I remember you walked out the door, and I was like, "I love him." I just love him. I love, I want him to be my new best friend. You were just um we I don't know, I we felt just the same way. Yeah, we had oh, that's sweet. We just had such a deep conversation that night and you were willing to go there and uh yeah, it's been awesome to um yeah, we I, I think we've been together as long as you and Paula have been together. It's gotta be close. <laughs> just about yeah. three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, I think I might, I actually, that was a fun first experience, but I think my favorite ones were when we came over to your house and like linked it up with some sort of dinner from the cookbook and everything. Those. The pizzas. That cemented <laughs> the relationship, I have to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, anytime, you know, we'll, uh, we'll cook and serve you guys up an amazing, an amazing meal. So. <laughs> 
Because we've got, I mean, we're yogi triathlete, right? So we've got a bunch of triathletes that listen to the show, but we also have yogis and we also have people who, you know, are just kind of making it a habit to walk to the end of the street and back. And we've got people who are just running on trails and uh, maybe they've been living on a rock, under a rock and they don't know what TTL is. So can you fill us in on that triathlon life? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's sort of the culmination of, of everything that I've wanted to put out there into the sport in terms of good energy and bringing really rich, cool video content and photography and, um, just trying to push triathlon more in the direction of like surfing or mountain biking, where it's, uh, there's a really cool community that doesn't necessarily have to race, but just, you know, sharing, like I said, good energy and, and stuff to kind of get you pumped on, on the weekends, on Sundays. So we're right now we're putting out a video every Sunday, kind of just like documenting our training and our life and our travel to races. And our initial intent with it was to kind of do like race guides and take take everyone along to our races. But with COVID and races being canceled, we it ended up just kind of being a I don't know lifestyle thing, (laughs) showing a weekly show, (laughs) which has been really cool because the consistency of doing every Sunday has created this really cool community of people that look forward to it every week and expect it every week. So it's kind of kept us on a schedule when all else was kind of, you know, uncertain. We had that one reliable thing that we could uh, focus on every single Sunday. So it's been really fun, and then from that has blossomed like. A little bit of merchandise. We don't really like to call it like merch, but we've made t-shirts and hats and mugs and like things that we really love and good quality that people can buy and help us and then represent uh, TTL when they go to races and stuff, which has been cool. Yeah. You you guys created a brand, you know, it's a brand. Like, yeah, I remember somebody asked me when, when I uh, had transitioned back into corporate life and my boss asked me, like, what's your brand? Like, what do you want to stand for? Do you want to be that person who's like pulling the all-nighters or do you want to be the person who's the manager and directing people? So that for me, that was my my challenge for the brand. But I feel like um, I, it is merchandise, but it is, it's a brand. It's a lifestyle. It's, um, yeah. it's giving people permission to have fun in a sport that uh, I think we kind of got a, a little carried away and took it a little too seriously. Um, mm-hmm. And then when all the races were pulled away, it was like, whoa, okay, now, now what? Now yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, th- that's that's our goal, and you know, we're kind of starting out in the phase of where we're not necessarily de- telling a seamstress how to make every you know stitch on a shirt, but like we want to get to that point. Um, but in the meantime, I mean, the main focus of it is exactly what you said. Like, this is a symbol that stands for something, and that something is that it's not the end always justifies the means, rather than like the means can be enjoyable, even if you're taking it seriously. So. You know, when we talked back in 2017, Eric, like we talked about one of the reasons why I reached out to you is because I had caught one of your videos. Like you just came into my awareness somewhere in 2016 and I binged on a bunch of your videos and I just loved, you know, just your raw honesty and the authenticity in which you were sharing. And um, when we talked back there, it was it was very much about like just doing what you love, you know, like this creative outlet. And of course, having this mission of, of it being more than just swim, bike and run. Um, and then when we talked a year ago in, I think it was like at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, you guys, we threw down like a quick 15 minute, um, mini podcast. I remember 
talking about numbers like your followers had just hit like seven or eight thousand and you were like we, we can't believe it like this is crazy <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. and now it's it's blowing up even more so i guess there's a couple things that are coming into my mind right now but the first thing i want to um ask you i think both of you i'd love for you to answer it's how important it is is it to you know do these things that are on our heart even if they don't even if we don't know where they're going or or what they're going to be or you know, being able to pursue them, not knowing if they're going to or caring if they're going to be, uh, you know, have a monetary return. Yeah, well, that's kind of the funny thing about YouTube is it definitely wasn't motivated by money because you don't make much money <laughs> off YouTube. And I think Eric's love and talent with video filming and editing um, has just kind of what has let it keep going. And I don't think he'd be doing it this long or have done it every single week if he didn't really love it. So it's given him another focus this year. Uh, I don't do much with the, the editing or filming side just because I don't know how. But <laughs> for Eric, I think having that other outlet this year to focus on has been really healthy. And then, um, yeah, we never really had goals of like, let's get as many subscribers as we can. And let's get as many followers as we can. That's kind of just like a, a a side effect of having, um, putting out good quality stuff that we're proud of and being really honest and having people relate to us. And that's kind of, you know, this is getting a bit ahead of it, but the Daytona race this past weekend that I won, people felt, feel like they know me. So it was cool to have like this whole community of people that has followed our journey all year. So I'm not just, you know, an unknown stranger that came and won this race. It's like they see the behind the scenes and they know Flynn and they sort of know how we live our lives. So they were able to cheer as if I was like their friend almost. How has all of these people coming into your lives, um, how have you guys like opened yourselves to receiving, you know, like people are, they're donating, um, when Eric, when, when Flynn, uh, accidentally, innocently broke the camera, uh, you know, Talbot put out a call and people were Venmoing you money. And, um, <laughs> how have you guys opened to that, like receiving that kind of support? It's, it's been really beautiful to watch, but I know that it can be tough sometimes to receive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We never, we obviously never expect it. And that's not why we do it, like you said. So it's pretty touching to see people want to help us. And I think, um, it's sort of, I mean, Eric puts so much time into these videos without necessarily like an hourly return on YouTube or anything in terms of money. So when people reach out and they just want to support us because they recognize a the value in what we're doing and they take enjoyment in it every week, that is pretty cool. If you can talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I don't know. That that whole process specifically with the camera was uh, I, like so eye-opening and kind of like I didn't even really know how to react since, like I said, I mean, I didn't talk to Talbot. Talbot just randomly did that. He put it out there. And before mm -hmm. I knew it, I was just like getting all these Venmo notifications on my phone. Didn't really understand what was happening. And for people to feel that strongly about like what what we're doing is just – it's just mind blowing. Like I, I know how di like the, how difficult it is to get someone just to subscribe to your YouTube channel, or <laughs> you know, like that's a commitment to say like I want to see whatever junk this person's putting out. Um, I want it to be a notification on my phone. Like when we're getting subscribers, even that's that that's impressive because I know how stingy I am with my subscribes on YouTube and follows on Instagram and all that stuff. So the the whole money thing is just like another 
another level and it it's it's touching i guess is the only word yeah. i can think of <laughs> i think people you know even before we put out all of the clothing and everything were asking us how they could support us whether it was through a patreon or whatever it was so mm-hmm. that's been cool as well putting out our gear because people feel like they're supporting us in a in a small way when they buy a mug or a t-shirt or a hat and and it's true it does help us uh, a ton in return so we wanted to be able to sort of give people something material that they could you know, have an exchange for their support, which has been, which is what we've successfully done, I think. So yeah, yeah, it, definitely it, an adjustment, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I know we talked to you guys about Patreon a while back and stuff. And, and to us, that just didn't like quite feel like the right fit, like probably because of what you're saying, being open to receiving and everything. It still felt like I couldn't imagine why anybody would just like want to give me $5. So like I got it. Well, let's just like make this brand that's a cool thing that stands for something, so people can like buy a T-shirt and like give a little bit of money and feel like a th- they got a thing and and be also like projecting what we're trying to project out into the world. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm glad we did it that that way. But still, like it, it still is. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to feel like oh yeah, I'm I'm worth somebody giving me money for something yeah. I felt like I was going to do anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, but it's like continually, like you put the gear out there mm-hmm. and it's sold out. Like continually, you guys are, um, your community is surprising. Yeah, and I, I think, or yeah, I think it's growing too. You know, we can see how many people have like bought a thing before that are a repeat customer or whatever. And our our huge main goal with with the whole thing was to make sure that we made really high quality things, so people would maybe at first buy a shirt because they liked the logo or they liked us, and then they would actually get it and go, "Wow, this is actually really nice." And the next time they put out a shirt, I want to have another shirt that feels like that. And so yeah, we were a bit worried about that about putting things out and people support us once and then that's it and that's why we've been continuing to order on the low end and why things sell out a lot is because we're nervous to put in like a order for thousands of shirts and then have them sit there and no one want them but we're constantly surprised by just we increase it a little bit and they sell out we increase it a bit and they sell out so it is catching on people are coming back to buy more things and then our audience is just growing in general so people are coming on and you know they'll want a t-shirt but there's no t-shirts in stock so they'll order a hat or whatever it is it's just uh the the demand i guess is increasing far greater than we ever thought it would or can keep up with at the moment <laughs> like yeah massively beyond what we thought it would be i think that's it's an important piece uh, at least we've found between offering up gear and then offering up gear that people will wear mm-hmm. wear yeah and wear a lot yeah. so i think that's that connection with getting that the good quality mm-hmm the good quality pieces and being okay with like whatever that, that cost is for now, because people are actually going to wear it and they're going to wear it for a long time. And your brand is going to, yeah is going to be out there. Yeah. Um, do you see this in the, um, I know we're talking about numbers and, and digital stuff, but you guys have been on the road traveling a bit before all of this. Did you have interactions on the road with people that you could see the human spirit rise up just like it did with um, the camera a little bit? Yeah. T- I mean, even back when we were in Tucson, uh, bef- like in the very early stages of coronavirus and everything, we would still have a, an occasionally a person, you know, from like Germany or something a couple of times that was there doing a training camp in Tucson where like Lionel Sanders trains and they would come over and like, oh, hi, I love your YouTube channel. Oh, uh, I don't know how to say, you know, and that was just, we were like, what? Like we at home in Portland, like literally no one ever talks to us at the pool. No one recognizes us. It's not a thing. And then in Tucson, we had somebody come into a coffee shop one time and be like, oh my gosh, I'm here because I saw this coffee shop on your YouTube channel last week. This is my wife. Can we get a picture? And that was just, 
<laughs> I had never experienced anything like that in my life. Like maybe Paula had, you know, back in 2012, the Olympic days, but that was just like, what? Yeah, it just totally depends what? on where you are. Like <laughs> Tucson is a hot spot for training camps for age groupers. So a lot of people that go there to the pool are, are going to, you know, be watchers of the YouTube channel. So yeah. it depends where you are. Those, sure. those ones are particularly crazy, though, because sometimes the, the YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff just feels like these numbers coming in and messages from nameless or, you know, people that... But then you see a real human in real life and talk to them, and it's kind of just, that's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and you'll never, we'll never know, like, the trickle effect of of you guys just being real on camera, right? You just never know the trickle effect of how that's going to affect somebody's day. I know people are watching your videos to get pumped up for their Sunday long run or whatever it may be and how that that may affect how they're interacting with relationships that day. Yeah. It's it's just it's so amazing to just do what's on your heart and then let it go. Mm-hmm. Like let it be what it's going to be and to see you guys, like, to see this community blow up has just been one of the most, um, one of the greatest gifts, I think, of that I, from this year, just watching this great success come your way. I absolutely love seeing all of it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, I love the yeah. count- countdown on Sunday. It gives, it gives that, what that new countdown feature. Oh, yeah. It really just gives it that. Yeah, the live show. That pull. Yeah, yeah live the show. The live show is kind of interesting because we were kind of hesitant at first, but. We do premiere it on YouTube at 9 a.m. every week, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. So people can log on and ask questions and interact, and you can watch the movie ad-free. And we're mm-hmm. online answering questions. So that started to grow as well, which is cool because we're committed to you know being there every Sunday when it's released and mm-hmm. interacting with people. And that's that's really cool as well, just to have like the immediate kind of feedback and comments and yeah, um, that's one of the highlights from people. That's yeah. one of the highlights of our week. You know, I think whether or not people enjoy it, we love that. And I can type in little things like, oh yeah, Paula had a smile on her face right there, but three seconds before that, we were like in rage mode or you know people we can <laughs> like, like behind the scenes. Yeah, we can throw in little <laughs> like yeah, whatever you know. <laughs> I liked it when the camera went out. Was it this week? The camera went out and you guys were still talking and people are like, yeah. oh, we're still God. here. We can still <laughs> yeah. hear you. I'm lucky I didn't <laughs> end up swearing more than I did. We, like, we watched that like four or five times afterwards and we're just dying. Yeah, it we was, thought it was pretty funny. It was so funny because like on our side, we didn't you know, realize obviously that it wasn't recording for a second and it was just such an... <laughs> Oh shit moment. Yeah. <laughs> but that was that's a new thing that we're we're thinking we want to try to do a little bit more of in uh in twenty twenty one is like maybe bi weekly or like once a month instead of the video or something, do like an actual thirty minute just live, you know, sorta of podcast, sorta of people can ask questions real time on there and um It was that, overwhelming. There was like yeah. questions coming in every millisecond, like we couldn't even keep up. So it is pretty cool to see and a part of that was the effect of Daytona and having people come on yeah. to ask questions about that race specifically. But people are interested. And when Eric scheduled that q and I was like, this is stupid. No one's going to come on. But then there were like a thousand <laughs> people watching. Yeah. So like, I just have to be like a FaceTime with our mom. Yeah. Right. I'm like, there's going to be like three people on this. This is dumb. But yeah, if I knew there were a thousand people, I may have put a little more effort into my appearance. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Rolled out of bed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> What are your, uh, you mentioned moms. What do your moms think? Are they so proud of you guys? Yeah, my mom mm-hmm. was like, well, 
Yeah. Paul's mom's our biggest customer. She's bought like half of our gear. It's insane. But I have to be like, mom, you don't need to buy our gear. People are buying our gear. Like she's buying it to support us. Like no one's going to get this stuff. Mm -hmm. But no, they're amazing. And it's been nice to be in Canada the last three months. That's sort of why we came to Canada, even though we were training in the dead of winter for this outdoor race in Florida. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't seen my family for almost the whole year because of COVID. So it's it was super nice to be home and see my sister and see my parents and have them look after Flynn for us while we were gone for a couple of weeks. Um, all that's been amazing. And then, yeah, I think my my parents tune in every single Sunday. They just, yeah. they're every time we FaceTime with them, they're wearing TTL gear. It's like a little yeah. crazy. Yeah. So same yeah. with their experience. Yeah, same with my parents. They like, you know, they're like, it's, we don't get to see you when you're not here, but we, watching the videos makes us feel like we're still a part of your life and, and everything. And I think for me anyway, one of the best things about the whole process has just been like my dad saying like, this is a real thing. I'm so proud that you have like started this thing. And when you first wanted to be a professional triathlete, you know, 15 years ago, we were just like praying you'd go back to college and to sort of that, like have that approval and, and everything that's, that's huge. And I remember that as a part of our conversation back in 2017, Eric, you were, we were talking about how you, cause you dropped out of school mm -hmm. to, um, to pursue this and that you had had this really nice conversation with your dad where, where like there was peace made, not that there was like major conflict, but there was yeah. like, there was peace, there was approval, there was support, there was, um, like, okay, this is, this is, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. And so to, to keep getting that to, to allow them to keep seeing you guys grow and expand is yeah. that's got to be mm -hmm. so amazing, totally. you know, for for them, but also for your relationship with them, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not painting out either of my parents or my dad to be like disproving of what I was doing, rather than like I feel yeah. like I'm a pretty emotionally in in I don't know connective person, and I you can tell when someone's like purely excited and someone's like a little. That sounds, you know, great. Uh, that's cool. So, you know, and so anyway, yeah, I don't, I just don't, they weren't disproving, but to have uh, fully on board and yeah, they love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of your community too. Like mm -hmm. people, you know, your, your family and your parents and, and uh, what is the community that has come to you guys? What are they wanting more of? Like what's, What's something that they just keep wanting more <laughs> uh, of? More videos, like two a week, you know. Yeah, we, we get do that. get those a lot. When and like it's a stretch to do one a week. I mean, Eric's really fast at it now, but we've gotten to the point a couple of weeks where like we haven't even filmed anything by Thursday, and he's editing all day Friday, Saturday. So yeah, there's we can't do any more videos, but um, <laughs> at least not while I'm actually being a professional. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What are people asking for more of? We're constantly getting questions of when we're getting stuff back in stock, and yeah. for me anyway, the last couple of weeks have been fully focused on Daytona, and I'm also like managing the email with TTL and trying to you know get that. And Eric's doing all of the ordering and product yeah. design and stuff. So we almost feel like we need to hire a few more people just to manage mm -hmm. it because we are trying to race to our full potential as well. And it's really hard to suddenly have this small business that's taking off and being the only ones kind of working on it. So yeah. it's overwhelming. And I wish we could keep up to like every single little request people have. And I'm also dealing with all like the lost shipments and like 
you know, defects on a hat and I have to like go online and figure that out. I think those ones, those ones are amazing. We had some guy from Dubai who was like, I am trying to buy my package. It got lost. I love Eric and Paula so much and whatever. And Paula gets on like, hi, this is actually Paula and we're working on your shipment. And the guy just lost it. Like, oh (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) Like they don't realize I'm the one behind the email. Right. So anyway, it's maybe, yeah, hopefully we can like have more help someday. (laughs) You guys need an intern. We do. 100% 100% need yes. an intern. And inter- interns are awesome. We've used them. Um, we have uh, we have been gifted interns in the past, mm. and it's it's an amazing it's experience, a, and it's awesome yeah. for them yeah, too, yeah. right? Like they understand entrepreneurship. And mm-hmm. um, If anyone who's listening to this is yeah, an intern. If you want to be a <laughs> yeah. full-time, part-time assistant, if you crush it, you're hired for life. Yeah. We need an intern. <laughs> I love it. That's an official call mm-hmm. for help. Yeah. hiring. Eric, how many hours of footage or filming are you looking at to whittle that down to your 13 to 17 minutes of Sunday perfection? Um, <laughs> I'd say like a couple of years ago or even the beginning of this year, it was a huge amount. Uh, so maybe I was filming an hour and a half of footage and whittling it down to 15 minutes. And I've gotten more and more efficient with kind of having an idea of what I want to film and, and everything to the point of now where it's maybe 30 minutes coming down to 15 minutes uh, at, at the most. So that's... Yeah, we're really, we're not filming like 24 hours a day, whatever we're doing mm-hmm. every day. We try to plan out on Monday what the vlog will be next Sunday, just so we have some direction and it's not overwhelming and we don't have to have a camera at every single workout we do. So yeah. if we have the idea to do a specific bike workout, then that's, that's where Eric's bringing his cameras. So it may appear that every single thing we do every day is on camera, but I think out of necessity, we've been able to focus in a little more and make it so it's not overwhelming amount of footage at the end of the week to edit out. Yeah. Yeah. If we were filming more like a, an actual film, um, then we would do multiple takes of running past the camera or making sure we got the shot just right of the mountain and the whole thing. But for a vlog, it's kind of like do the best you can on the first go. And I, I love that challenge of we're running by that tree. I remember that tree last time we ran by it and I want to make sure I sprint up ahead and get the shot. And I'm never going to ask Paula to like turn around and go back by it. It's getting it the first time is like (laughs) part of the fun. It's all pretty real. How does it work? And I think you mentioned that you you had sort of a perfectionist uh, element to the way that you create, which all, all designers do. I was a web designer and it was the project was never complete. It got me so frustrated to figure out a, a piece of code. How um, has that changed at all for you? Because I know there's a level of expectation that you want to hold and, and keep true to the brand, but also we got to get this up and, and this is mm-hmm. good enough. Like, how do you balance that yeah. that piece? I'm the one who's like, it's good enough. Put it up. Because <laughs> he shows me, like, you know, the rough edit. And I'm like, okay, it's totally fine. Like, you don't need to go and perfect the color editing and the sound and everything. But he sees the things, those little things more than I do. So I kind of keep him in check a little bit where I'm like, okay, it's 10 o'clock p.m. on Saturday. You need to just post it because it's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's better than fine. I mean, it's he's gotten so much better. His gear is better. His computers better. So I think naturally the the vlog's gotten better quality just out of that and him being more experienced putting these things together. But I would think he would definitely spend a couple more hours on each one with those little details if if he had the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> I can totally I can totally see like the the wheels, the wheels are turning turn. in your in your head right now, Eric. Well the 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 thing that I have to like remind myself or or, or 
you know, be in tune with is like, I'm not putting out a video. We're not putting out a video once every month and it's, it's going to be another month until the next thing comes out. And you know, it's, it's like, it's coming out every single week. So if I, if I'm looking through it and like, ah, oh, this is not quite right. And I wish I would have done this transition differently and this and that, and the other little technical things that only, you know, like the diehard film geeks are going to notice, like I can do that better next week. And it's in like that constant, like turnover cycle of like, remember what I did last week, instant feedback, do it the next week a little mm-hmm. bit better. I think that's, that's like the biggest thing. Yeah. So sure. it's, it's not like make or break every single video. Cause you only get to put out one feature film every two years. Yeah. I think what you're talking about there is like letting go, like just mm-hmm. like Paula said, like, it's good. Like, just put it out there. You gotta, you gotta let go. So mm-hmm. switching gears a little bit, how has Flynn taught you guys to, um, let go? Oh boy. <laughs> well, Eric just took a big sit back for this question. Yeah. I'll take over this question. <laughs> because a, no, pu- a puppy's yeah, going to teach you to let go. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Flynn's been obviously very t- demanding and his like high energy breed and just having a puppy in general is very exhausting and demanding as well. We got Flynn in March. So we got him in March, didn't race till December. So there was definitely this whole period of time as he was growing up where we had time to give him and didn't have to worry so much about we need to start our ride at 8 a.m. We need to do everything perfectly to a T with our training because there were no races on the schedule. So from that side, we did time it out really well. But yeah, Flynn uh, takes priority in the morning. You know, he needs to go for a 45-hour-long walk before we can even start our day. So that has changed our, yeah, we've become a lot more easygoing, I guess you could say, with our training and not, we still get it done, but it's not as sort of scheduled as I would prefer and that I was in the past. So yeah, just for like a little bit of a, of a backstory on how Flynn came to be, like I've been very busy with the video editing throughout, like, especially January, February, March and everything before I'd like gotten really quick at it. And Paula didn't have that to do. We hadn't started TTL yet. We were just like, didn't have much to do and like the dog thing kept coming up in our brains and especially Paula and I was kind of like you know if we get a dog like you're gonna have to do the the bulk of the work of it just because I don't have like I'm kind of maxed out I'm tapped on my time and everything and she was all in for it and everything so like we've honestly like I've stuck pretty well to that she does the bulk of the Flynn work there's if we do eight walks a week I'm probably on four of them and I want to be on every single one but um if we weren't kind of tag teaming with Flynn and and everything. And I don't know how, if you want to get a German wire hair pointer, anybody who's listening, like really, really consider <laughs> like if you want to also get a three hour as of dog walking per day hobby. Honestly, I think, sorry, we're dragging on with this question, but now that Flynn's <laughs> old enough to run with us, it'll help a lot because yeah. we started running with him too early. Like he was whatever, five months. And we're like, he's running on the walks. We can definitely take him for a run, but he started to get really sore joints and limping. So we cut out all of the running and just went back to walking. But now that he's almost a year, we can sort of start to incorporate 30-minute runs with him, and that's what really tires him out. So, And that's kind of like killing two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. We do our easy run, and Flynn gets tired. So I think going forward, that'll be super helpful just with our time management, especially to you know get Flynn his exercise and get us our, our training run all, all at the same time. So that's that's something to look forward to. Yeah. This, is, this is why we have always had big, lazy dogs, because it's uh-huh. like you come yeah. back from the workout – take them out and then they're ready for a nap. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
You've got the right, you've got the right choice. Alignment, you know, is the, is the boss. So Flynn mm-hmm. came into your life because he was there to be your, I, I find that dogs are such great teachers. You know, they, they show me, um, when I'm frustrated, they show me when I'm like stuck in a, a, a cycle or a battle, you know, and the dog almost always wins. And so it's, for me, it's, you know, softening into that and letting go. So Polly, mm-hmm. you spend most of the, and I don't think we can talk about Flynn enough. So I don't think this is dragging on. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you're, you're spending maybe, uh, more time with him, but who's his person? Cause they're always going to have a person like mm. who's his person. Yeah. He definitely respects Eric more. Like he'll listen to Eric every time Eric calls him, he'll come back without question. Like n- no delay with me. He's not really like that. He knows he can get away with more. I'll let him up on the bed. Eric never lets him up on the bed. So <laughs> he'll come to me for for dinner or walks or whining or whatever, but he knows Eric's the boss and a little more strict. So he respects Eric yeah, much more than me. He's like, he's like your best friend. And we're like, I'm kind of like, I don't know, dad. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's, he's an interesting dog. He doesn't have that like super clingy to like a person. He doesn't do the, like the lab thing where you touch his head and he just can't get enough of the human touch. Like, he, I think he really knows he needs us for things, but he's not, not super affectionate. He's not like, yeah, a crazy affectionate dog. So it's hard to say who's his, his person. He yeah. just needs, he just needs persons. Yeah. He needs any person <laughs> who's willing to fight, feed him and walk him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you guys were down in Tucson and this whole COVID thing hit, um, you were fortunate enough to be uh, a part of the quarantine with Wadi and Heather, who, you know, have been in this industry for so long and Heather has such longevity in her career. What did you guys learn from them? What's something that you learned from them? Plus, they're just super cool and fun. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Eric, I mean, Eric, every every chance he got to go for a ride with Wadi, he would just soak up all the knowledge not Wadi had from business side of things to, to racing and training. So we've learned so much from them. And then, like you said, more importantly, they're just like super good friends now and fun to hang out with. And obviously our interests align perfectly. So, uh, we're super fortunate to have them in our circle and, uh, still talk to them almost every day. Like we're texting them all the time and they've sort of become our best friends in the sport now over the last year. So it's cool. Yeah, it's hard to like, where would you even start with how much we've learned from them? Yeah. So, <laughs> I was literally would go out on a two hour, three hour bike ride with Wadi on the bike path and just like ask questions for three hours and just listen to him talk about all oh, that. We did this in Kona in 2015 and we did this and I do Heather's bike like this. And this is what we did with the brand and how we started making hats and the whole, and I just like love it. And then I would reciprocate by teaching him a little bit of stuff about cameras and videos and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it, it's also fun because Heather and I have very different strengths. I think, um, I'm a little bit stronger swimmer and she's stronger on the bike and we're pretty similar at running. So we were able to match up for sessions that, you know, benefited both of us to mm-hmm. have another training partner that was competing at the same level. And, um, but not in a competitive way, in a very like friendly, supportive way. Yeah, we had Heather on the podcast and she was telling <laughs> us the story of like the early days of Wadi, like Wadi Inc. And, you know, she was like, who, she, she said she was the biggest doubter. Like, who's going to want to mm. wear a shirt that has a W on it, you know? Right. Yeah, but we've he, heard that story yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> he's had this vision and he just w- went for it. And, you know, they both quit their jobs and all of that. So I can see that mm-hmm. there's this 
this really cool relationship between the four of you where you can definitely mm-hmm. learn from them um, and looking at what, th- what they've built and, you know, specifically what he's done with Wadi Inc. has been, has been just amazing. Yeah, we definitely look up to them in so many ways. We'd like to replicate sort of what they've done in our own way. Yeah. Even like their Heather's results on in triathlon. Like she's amazing and achieved what I would only like dream to achieve in Kona and everything. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um but what what you what you dream to achieve in Kona, but did you just achieve something? <laughs> did you just achieve something that you, like was beyond your wildest dreams? Or was that one yeah, of your I wildest guess so, dreams? In Daytona. <laughs> No, Daytona is interesting because it this year got the hype, I think, that Kona sort of gets every year just because it was the only race on the schedule. But uh, And the PTO did such an amazing job of the broadcast and the buildup and the media surrounding it. And even while we were there for the whole week, it was like getting photos and video that we can use throughout the season and they can use to promote us. So what the PTO has done is incredible. And we were treated so well all, all week. Um, like professional athletes, which is cool and kind of a different experience than we get at other races. So yeah, the race was pretty crazy. I would say, I would say it was right up there at like the most wild dream that we've had. Like, (laughs) I I feel like I expected Paula and have always known like Paula was, was capable of that, but just having had injury struggles and, and whatever through the years, you know, it's, it wasn't like, oh, this is definitely a thing that, that is going to happen rather than I feel like the potential is here. And if we line all the stars up right and specifically with training and, and everything, then it's definitely possible. And to just see the year c- come to fruition like that and the, and everything is, it was, I, I was like literally crying <laughs> while, she, <laughs> while she was finishing and I'm trying to do my, my run warm up for my race and everything because it was just a, such a powerful thing to know, uh, like what she's been through, what she's, how hard she's worked and, like all of the things that we've collectively done that I don't know set the stage. Came, yeah, came together for that moment at the right time. Right. <laughs> I was thinking about you, Eric, when we were watching um, when we were watching New Paula, and I was thinking about Eric. I'm like, how is he containing himself right now? Like, is is <laughs> his wasn't. energy leaking out? Like, how how is he doing this? Yeah. Is he is he able mm-hmm. to keep it together? I mean, uh, is he even watching it at all? And he's just like, oh yeah, he's definitely watching it. I, no, I thought I said he wasn't watching it. I was like, he's got to be down there getting ready for his race. Yeah. Well, the time, the timeline was like, I was, was finishing close. 30 minutes before he started. So yeah. I was half expecting him to maybe be at the finish line, just like hearing what was going on. But, um, this finish line wasn't really close to the start. It was like a, a kilometer walk or jog away. So, um, we were joking the day before that if I won, he wouldn't even start the race. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that should have happened, but um, legitimately joking. Uh, yeah, then, but like <laughs> only because we didn't think it was even like remotely possible that I right. actually win. Like so if like, you win, I'm just not going to start, and we're going to like buy a house in the Bahamas, <laughs> and we're you know like that kind of conversation. And then, yeah. like, and then it actually happened, and he yeah. had to be like, oh, I guess I should probably race too. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the entire thing like from the hotel room on the live broadcast, and, and like a little longer than I should have, and then got over to the racetrack and just heard it, you know, real time happening over the loudspeaker, and that was just. It was, uh, how do you, how could you describe, intense. how could you, how can you describe that feeling, Eric, of hearing what was happening and her crossing the finish line? Like, what did that feel like? I think the natural question is to ask you, Paula, but I want to ask Eric how, <laughs> how it felt for him. Were you in the water warming up or did you actually no, hear I was, it? I was actually, I heard you finish. Oh, you did? And everything while mm-hmm. I was like, doing my run jog warm up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just, it was, it was just like such an overwhelming, like, feeling of happiness and just 
the story just because I like I was part of the story and I don't know it's it's so hard to describe like absolutely could not control my emotions in that <laughs> in that moment you know like I wanted to call Paula's mom and talk to her on the like I just it was it was so hard because I I I felt like I was racing too you know like when I'm making videos or when I'm pumping up Paula's tires or making sure the wind trainer's set up right or fixing the Bluetooth or any. <laughs> Any of the things, like I, I feel like 50%, I'm working and doing everything I can to have my own good result and then like making sure that she's dialed in. And um, so it, it's like a similar kind of position, maybe to like how Wadi feels when Heather's racing, except then I have to go try to race as well. You know, I feel like, oh, I was so invested in the, in her race and obviously invested in mine as well. Um, so I don't think it would have felt any different if I'd been racing and crossed the finish line and couldn't believe it and... Yeah, and everything. Kind of similar. Yeah, it's it was it was very intense. That's all I can say. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, Paula, you recently did a uh, interview with Slow Twitch, and you said that you may not even have been racing if it wasn't for Eric. You know that you. What did you say, PJ? You read it to me this morning. Okay. That um, oh, I don't meeting have my Eric, glasses on. <laughs> meeting Eric and doing this whole triathlon thing with him has helped me enormously. In fact, I probably wouldn't still be racing if it weren't for him. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, a couple of, no, it's true. Like I, there was a couple days even in this last three months where I went to Edmonton for my mom's birthday and Eric wasn't there and I had to go to the pool by myself. And it was so hard to get in the pool. Like having Eric there for every single workout makes all the difference. I think for both of us, just having someone to train with and, um, not only for that reason, but that was just kind of like an eye opening. Wow. I, there's no way I could train for this race by myself. And, it's, it just isn't as enjoyable. Like ultimately you have to have fun every day and kind of enjoy the process. And I don't think I would enjoy it nearly to the extent I do without Eric there. So yeah, it's, um, fun to do the TTL stuff with him, to have the YouTube stuff, just to be like building this whole thing together. And I don't obviously would not have ever had the same pathway this year without, without him. So yeah, who knows if I'd still be racing or in the sport or I'd probably be training somewhere else if I was still racing. But I think what we built is really cool and I could not do it without Eric. So not to be cheesy. It's just like, that's the fact. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not cheesy at all. It's, it's where you pull, yeah. you, it's where you pull your, you know, from, let's just say it from love is an extreme power, right? We can pull so mm -hmm. much from it. We can do miraculous things from it. Um, did you connect with him at all when you were on, on that run stretch? Did you feel a connection or a power or an energy of him <laughs> being watching? Was there anything? Being around. Yeah. Um, or are you so I focused? I wasn't thinking too much about it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I the, the nice thing to be would be like, yeah, I felt Eric there with me, <laughs> but I didn't. I was just like hoping I wouldn't get caught and thinking about time gaps and <laughs> wanting it to be over. Like it was funny because I was going into the last lap with a three-minute lead and I'm like, okay, if I keep this pace, I'm going to win. So I should try to enjoy this last lap. Like this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. But I was like starting to really get tired and my legs were super sore and, you know, racing is hard. So I wanted it to be over, but I was also trying to enjoy it. And so I would say normally when you race, like you're, you're getting some energy from the fact that I'm there, but we're racing at the same time and we'll right. on the run course, see each other, maybe at a turnaround. Totally. Yeah. And Paula is always the one asking everybody on course, like, where's Eric at? Where's Eric at? And I'm just like, so dying so hard, like trying to chase after Lionel <laughs> or whatever it is that I can't even ask anybody anything, but yeah, normally we're on the race course at the same time and I get off the bike and I'm asking people like, 
how Eric's doing. Just, you know, yeah. I actually think about his race more than my own, but when I'm racing and he's not, it's different. So. Yeah. I would have much yeah. preferred to be racing at the same time as Paula and be getting that emotional excitement mm-hmm. and boost <laughs> while I was racing instead of moments before. And on uh, the flip side, it was really hard for me to watch his race because it was actually better to watch it on the broadcast. So I was sitting inside watching the TV screens. There wasn't a lot of points on the course where I could like get close enough to the track to scream at him or to you know, support him in person. So it was... Uh, yeah, a challenge just to like watch the race in person because it was hard to tell what was going on. <laughs> mm. So this is 2020 has been <laughs> a, a super interesting year. And, and I was revisiting the little mini podcast that we did this uh, back in, I think, late December, early January of this year. And we were talking about the races that you were going to be at and all the things that everybody was going to do. And, you know, obviously that came to a big halt. Um and so for this year, there has been challenges, and but I also see that there's been so many gifts. And so I wanted to ask you, like, what has surprised you the most about 2020 or what has been a, a gift that you've realized from, you know, the staying at home or the limited contact with other people? What's been a gift? Um, I mean, I, th- I think the gift is that we were both able to take a step back without the pressure of racing and, and just train or not even train necessarily, but just do triathlon just because we wanted to, there was really no reason to get up and go out every day, except for that. It's kind of fun to improve. It's fun to be out on your bike. It's fun to go for a run on a new trail and, and to be able to just kind of get back to that place where we both were when we first started, when we were 12 or 13 or whatever, that was like, but not feel guilty about not racing. That was like a huge gift. Yeah. No, no stress of impending races or yeah, really there weren't, there weren't that many days that we took completely off and we still trained fairly hard all year. I mean, we didn't really step back that much, but we did it out of like the love for training and the, the, the feeling of getting better. And then for me personally, just being healthy, like I wasn't injured all year a lot of the time, or most years I go through like a huge injury cycle where I'll be training pretty well and then not run for a month and then get back. And Mm -hmm. this roller coaster of, of breaks basically between running healthy. And this year that didn't happen. I was able to, if I felt sore or tired, I would just not run that day and it was no big deal. And Mm -hmm. I think that's like taught me a lot heading into next year. Hopefully I can control myself. It's easier said than done, but, um, taking that pressure off myself and realizing it's okay to take days off or take, you know, alter the training a little bit if you need to in order for long-term consistency. Mm-hmm. So that's been a, a super cool realization this year as well. Yeah, I think you can look at the training. I think you can, we were actually thinking like, what if you just did the whole same thing again and didn't race at all until the end yeah. of the year? We've been thinking about that as well, yeah. specifically with swimming. We'd well, like to take six months off of swimming. <laughs> yeah, we didn't swim that much this year. I mean, both swam pretty fine in the race. Um, it wasn't a limiter anyway, but yeah, I think it would be probably a smarter plan for me anyway to target maybe two or three races this year instead of six or seven or, you know, chasing all the 70.3s I possibly can all over North America. Maybe target like Collins Cup, 70.3 St. George, and then Daytona, something like that. Because I do rise up to the challenge and pressure of a major race most times. Like I can show up and, and be competitive on the day and like people that focus on Kona all year, maybe I need to focus on Daytona all year if the prize purse is going to be that like that every year. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely yeah. things to think about and uh, learn from heading into 2021. And also 2021 is a bit of a question mark too, like races could get canceled. And at this point we have experience dealing with that, like changing plans last minute and 
going with the flow and, uh, you know, training regardless of if there's a concrete race set in stone on the calendar. Uh, we're pretty good at that by now. And we were joking at, we'd actually be fine if this year was an exact replica of last year um, from a racing perspective, yeah, not from a COVID and awfulness that everyone else is experiencing pretty all much over our, the world. But. Pretty much our combined, you know, best year. Yeah, it was our in, best year in ever <laughs> in terms of business and sport, I guess. Yeah. yeah. How has the business of sport changed like as professional triathletes? Because a lot of it is, you know, racing and prize money and bonuses and things like that based on your racing. So if you can give us a little bit of an inside scoop on like how the business side of triathlon has shifted this year. I mean, I, people are getting so creative, which is amazing. And the PTO has been amazing, but how how has your experience shifted and rising up to kind of new ways of doing business as professional triathletes? Um, it, I, I, it this year was was its own thing for sure, and I think maybe just accelerated or you know exacerbated the process that's already going on, which is the amount of money that you can make in professional triathlon has been kind of on the decline for the last few years. You see, like Ironman prize purses are just kind of getting chiseled away a little bit. They're canceling a couple of pro fields and stuff, and it's it's not so much that a outside observer would notice it, but it, for professional athletes, especially the ones that are in the maybe. 40th in the world type of zone instead of the top 10 it's it's so challenging um which is which is part of the reason that i kind of started investing in uh, content and video in the first place is i can see that happening and going man if you don't kind of have some alternative value propositions besides just just did i win a race four times a year it's it's a really it's a really tough landscape so in in 2020 just kind of increased that focus on content because there wasn't any races to be had, you know, every single sponsor wants you to do a live cast and an Instagram takeover and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. if I could just sum it up in one thing, it's like the lines between being an influencer and just like a personality or, and being a pro athlete are, are kind of blurring. You can't just do one or the other anymore. You kind of have to have this complete blend. package. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there's been so many, uh, YouTube channels, my goodness, like everybody's been popping up with, with new, uh, videos like nonstop. Yeah. And, you know, s- some of them are, are getting better and better. And some of them, you know, you can watch it just once or twice, but because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, YouTube is, YouTube is hard. I would not recommend YouTube for hardly anybody. I think we're the only professional athletes with the except triathletes with the exception of Richard Murray who are filming and editing our own videos and the people who are fi- hiring either Talbot or uh, Kenny Withrow. Um, those are those are like high quality and everything, but you got to really you have to have a personality that comes across on the camera, and you have to be willing to be open, and you have to there's nowhere to hide, and like the consistency required, and the number of videos you have to do before you get traction. It's it's not it is it is hard. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, you, oh, <laughs> it, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I, I I don't know. Like seriously, think about if you're starting a YouTube channel. <laughs> well, I was thinking, I was telling Jess, like you guys seem to have done a really good job with the whole. The whole, you know, here's an opportunity. Here's what we love to do. Let's, let's just move forward with the next step that you could probably create a masterclass. You know, they have those masterclasses where you, you actually were like, somebody will come to you and be like, well, how do we do this, Eric and Paula? How do we mm-hmm. become yeah. partners? How do we get along? How do we produce a brand and how do we go into business and race at the top of our level? How do we do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a yeah. hard question. Um, I think Richard's done well at Richard Murray. He's, a lot of it comes down to consistency. And as you produce more, put out more content, you naturally get better at it. So 
that's been his channels grown enormously over the last couple of months. And I think that's just because he really puts out, he's super passionate about it. He puts out videos all the time and naturally has gotten a little better at putting out those videos and the quality's improved. So mm-hmm. that's same with Eric in a way over a longer time frame at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's important to maybe like pick two social media streams that you're going to focus on or even one if you have like if you're just really good at writing and you want to write long form Instagram posts, or if you're really good at talking, but you're not good on the camera, get into podcasting and just like get a little bit more specific and really think about like, what is the thing that I'm going to bring to the space that isn't there already? You know, you can't just get on and like interview the same 45 people that everyone else interviews. You can't just make training day videos. Like Lionel can make training day videos because the numbers are so insane. It's the freak show and (laughs) he's so entertaining to talk to. Like, I know that that's not going to work for me. So I make our videos as cinematic as possible and I try to make them little mini films each week. And then Richard's got like the ITU angle going and these crazy run workouts. And, well, you know, there's, you got to pick a lane, like kind of lean into who you are. Don't try to be someone you're not. And, and yeah, just kind of go for it Mm -hmm. pretty full on. It's being vulnerable. I think a lot of it's being vulnerable. You're probably going to speak to that. Like when we put our, we do yeah. live Instagram sometimes. It's like, oh my God, did we just say that? And we're putting that out there. Okay. I guess, I guess we are. Um, but that's the most yeah. authentic, um, true piece mm-hmm. of, of what we stand for. And if we're not, if we're not willing to put that, um, if we're not willing to put that out there, how can we expect other people to raise themselves up to, to be who, who they are inside? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think, I think authentic, that word gets thrown around a lot these days and people are like, think, Oh, I got to be authentic and whatever. And they're like, don't, like, don't try to be authentic. Just be you, be open about it. Say what you care about, say what your goals are, be real about what happened and, and reassessing. And I, I think like, that's what everybody's looking for. Like you, you watch like Mighty Ducks or like <laughs> some like sports movie Hoosiers or something. And, and it wasn't because these people are freaks of nature or, or were the best and stayed the best and had no troubles as they were super vulnerable. They had a thing that, you know, they cared about and then they went and accomplished it. And, and that's why I was like, crying <laughs> like a little girl when Paula finished that race. Cause like, I know how much that meant to her over the course of a whole year. I got to witness it every single day. And if she'd not said anything about any hardships, if she's not, you know, I've been open or if I hadn't seen that, I wouldn't have known how much that mattered and been so emotionally invested. Mm, yeah. Aww. I know. <laughs> also, no, that's the truth. There you go. Being, no, being no. open in a nutshell. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love, I love the love. I love seeing you guys in love. Um, are there, uh, are there any shout outs of gratitude that you want to give to any, any organizations or people that have, you know, just really stepped up to, to support you guys? Yeah. Uh, my mom for watching Flynn for three weeks. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. Can't imagine that. All of our, all of our sponsors have been really incredible this year. No one's done floated. Oh, Hey, it's really hard. I don't know if we can, you know, like everyone's paid us right when they said they were going to pay us regardless of what they were able to get from China or if we were racing or, or anything like that. So of course have to mention all of those guys. And then everyone who watches the videos every week, like the whole community, everyone who's ordered something from us, we appreciate it so much. And 
Yeah, I try to reply to every single message we get, but it was a little hard after Daytona. There were so many people reaching <laughs> yeah. out, which that's going to be the intern's job. Don't worry about that. Touching. Yeah, that's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the intern's already just the intern's already like you sending you guys resumes, an email right yeah, now. Totally. Yeah. Oh uh, no, we got to we got to maintain the personal connection. We'll we'll get to the messages, but we'll, the intern will be doing QuickBooks or filing taxes or <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Stuff. Yeah, and then like the one the one last person that I like really got to give a, a big shout out to and like appreciate so much is is Ralph Dunning. He designed our logos for us. He's gotten on the phone with me once a week, pretty much since like March and just talked through how to do apparel, um, how to, you know, when I'm like, Oh my gosh, man, how should I order a 50 water bottles? That sounds freaking insane. He's like, yes, it's fine. It's fine. Do it. It's okay. Or, you know, just exactly how to build a business and and he's like a huge, huge part of the success that we're having. And his personal brand is uh, Foreign Rider. He had Dunning Company back in the day. And then he also does brand work through a company called Brand Unification. So if anybody wants to do what we're doing, that is where you need to go. Yeah. Awesome. Talk to Ralph, Ralph at Brand best. Unification. Cool. I'm glad I asked that question. So you guys got some, you have some time on your hands now, I heard. Um, and I have no idea how long we've even been going because we've got disconnected a few times. But <laughs> no, as, okay. uh, as we'll start to wrap this up, um, yeah, what, uh, what are you looking forward to now? Are you going to stay in Canada? What, what do you think the, the plan is that, you know, we've all learned this year that the plan is just, uh, it's just something that, you know, we, we have to stay flexible with, mm-hmm. but what are you looking forward to mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. Uh, we're going to stay here through Christmas and then go back to Oregon. We're actually like really seriously considered move, considering moving to Bend, Oregon. We've wanted to over the last year and it's become a little more realistic now. And we also want to be training in Tucson for the winter. So our next two goals are to kind of go back to Oregon, keep looking at houses in Bend and then drive, to, drive south to get in some warmer training because the season starts pretty early this year. Oceanside is March 27th and there's another challenge race in Miami in March. So yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I need a huge big break from training right now. And so maybe after a week or two of chill, we'll kind of get back into it. And we'd like to be in Tucson for that. So that's the, that's the plan. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. It was good to see you. And, uh, yeah, stay well, rest up, binge on some shows. Get any shows yeah, you, you want to be binging any, on? Any binge worthy things <laughs> binge we should know world? about? Yeah. Uh, I oh, loved I love the Queen's Gambit Queen's so much Gambit. that I started watching it again. Like it's so I've bad. heard that. <laughs> that. I haven't watched it. That was the perfect one for us. That was a perfect one for us because it was a really engaging storyline and the cinematography was just fantastic for like a Netflix show. Yeah. I just every single Definitely episode I was like, Whoa, can we rewind? Because like, <laughs> oh, that was so beautiful the way they did that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll good. check it out. We're yeah. looking for a new show. Yeah, we are. All right, cool. All right. You've done Ozark, right? Have you done Ozark? We started. We've, yeah. we've done we not all of it, but I like it a lot more than Paul. Yeah, it can be intense. I know. I don't really like yeah, guns and violence, but um, the the writing was just so good, and Jason mm-hmm. Bas- Bateman yeah. so yeah. good. So, all right, we'll finish that up. Let us know yeah. how you like it. All right, all you right. guys. Thanks so much. We appreciate your time. Um, keep being awesome, and uh, I'm sure we'll connect at some point again in the future. I hope so. Yeah, we need to make this a regular thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Nice chatting with you guys.